Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. Hello again, this is Jay Shapiro. Thanks again for listening. Israel is under tremendous pressure right now since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began. These pressures have come from both sides, including calls for Israel to mediate the conflict. Israel is now in a very tough position. Whatever Israel does could have consequences. Supporting Ukraine and the Western countries against Russia appears to be in line with Israel's interests as a democracy, but that could have ramifications for Israel's freedom to operate in Syria against Iran because Russia has a major role in controlling Syria's space. Our leadership has to be extremely careful. Israel's best course is to stay out of the conflict diplomatically, but to remain in a humanitarian sense. Israel wants to have good relations with both sides, and uh, in recent years, Ukrainian leaders and politicians have visited Israel and there have been positive talks about trade and bilateral relations. On the other hand, you don't want to get the Russians angry at you, so we have to tread the thin line between the West's strong stance against Russia's invasion and to manage relations with Russia. So our leadership is in an extremely sensitive position, and we hope and pray that our leadership is mature enough to know how to handle this situation, because our future also depends on it. We try to keep relations with both sides. It is extremely difficult to do in the present situation. So we we have to hope that our, our leadership knows how to handle a situation which is one of the most difficult in the history of the state of Israel. I'll be back after the break. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. Hello, 
You're back with Jay Shapiro. The situation in the Ukraine has placed Israel in an extremely difficult position. And the reason for this is simple. Unlike the United States and unlike Great Britain, or even unlike France, Israel is a, in a neighborhood which is a difficult one, and part of it, for one of our neighbors, is Russia. The President Putin controls Syria and has the power to decide if Israeli military strikes against Iranian targets in the country can or not continue. Right now, we are in a situation where Iran has either placed its own power in Syria or is using puppets, and Israel has been attacking them. But they are essentially puppets of Russia or clients of Russia. And Israel, every now and then, and quite often as a matter of fact, attacks um, Iranian targets in Syria and apparently does this in coordination with the Russians who control Syria. Very touchy situation. So that if Israel criticizes Russia and doesn't, Russia doesn't like the criticism, the Russians, that is Putin, may decide to not allow Israeli military strikes against Iranian targets in Syria. This is a very touchy situation. And for this reason, Israel is being extremely careful, and it's being careful not only in what it does, but also in what it says, its rhetoric. It is essentially a dilemma between Israel's values and Israel's national security interests. On the value side, it's important to, for Israel to take a stand against what the Russians are doing in the invasion of Ukraine. Israel is a liberal democracy and is obviously opposed to Russian aggression and as a liberal democracy, we must take a stand against aggression. Uh, and there's also the United States and the present Biden administration, which is leading the international efforts against Russia. Uh, these efforts, by the way, are, seem to be too little and too late. But the United States is our closest ally. So we are allied at, with Russia, we are allied with the United States, and we have to tread very carefully. Now, based upon our values, Israel would obviously prefer to be able to take a clear stand with the United States against Russia. That our values are essentially Western values. On the other hand, Israel cannot ignore the need to continue to get along with Putin. Putin controls Syria, for example. Israel is some extent like a Baltic state and might be opposed to Russian action, 
but because Russia is its neighbor, it must tread very carefully. Now, this is an extremely difficult situation to manage for any government, let alone one, uh, a, a new government in a sense. Our prime minister and our foreign minister are much less experienced than the government before them. Netanyahu, who they replaced, was an extremely experienced diplomat, and, and they are not. Now, we are already in a strained relation with the United States because the United States is sitting with Iran in Paris, and they're essentially allowing the uh, Iranians to develop a nuclear weapon, which the Iranians would say would the first target would be Israel. So our relations with the United States are strained over this uh, weaker and shorter nuclear deal with Iran. Uh, the deal, the deal originally was. Um, curtailed by Trump, he got out of the deal, which was good, in order to prevent um, Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, and the United States and is apparently trying to get back into that deal. So, on the other hand, the uh, we're watching the invasion of Ukraine, and Obviously, there will be additional Russian moves. Israel will not be able to stand for long on the sidelines. Israel will feel pressure to take a stronger and harsher moral stand against Russia. But on the other hand, if we do so, we may have to pay a price in Syria, which is controlled by Russia. So at this moment, when I'm making... Um, 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 uh, recording this program, Israel is managing this situation quite responsibly, doing what it can, uh, and essentially a delicate balancing act between standing for the values which it holds, which are essentially Western values, However, at the same time, guaranteeing its own security interests. For example, if the Russians would stop letting us uh, fly over Syria to attack terrorists, we would be in big trouble. Question is, how long can Israel maintain this balancing act? The It, it could well be that not in not too uh, short a time, Israel uh, may have to make a hard decision, and it will need to stand with what it morally, what is morally correct, even if there will be an inconvenient and possibly painful price to pay. In other words, on one hand, we have morals which essentially are like the Western morals. On the other hand, we have a strategic interest not to get the Russians upset. So the question is, how long can we maintain this dual position? This is probably the most sensitive thing that has happened to the state of Israel, uh, essentially in its existence.
years ago, we knew which side we were on and we could talk publicly and speak about which side we were on. Now we're being put in a position we can't necessarily speak publicly about what we really think is correct and which is right. That's a situation, to the best of my knowledge, has not yet happened in the history of the, of the state. Incidentally, there's a very important lesson to learn from this, not only uh, how we should behave, but we should learn from this that if there's really a problem, the international community will not save you. If there ever was a situation in which the international community would be totally justified to come to the armed defense of a beleaguered ally like Ukraine, this is the situation we are in now. Ukraine is the victim of Russian aggression. There's no two ways about it. Russia is a totalitarian state. Ukraine is no model of democracy, but it is a, a country that's trying to become more associated with the West. And Ukraine's location makes it strategically vital to the West. Yet, it appears that none of this seems to matter. Not a single country is willing to take up arms to defend Ukraine against the Russian assault. Every one of the reasons that they give are simply made up. Not a single country, including some that are Israel's closest allies, would do anything if Israel faced annihilation because we see how they are acting in reference to the Ukraine. For years, the Jewish left and the United States Departments of State have been proposing that U.S. peacekeeping troops should be stationed in Judea, Samaria, and the Golan Heights. The idea is to lure Israel into surrendering those territories based on the assumption that a Palestinian state or its allies would never attack American troops. However, American peacekeepers would run away the moment there was imminent danger, because that is what happened back right before the 1967 war, when there were peacekeepers here and they ran away. UN peacekeepers, it was American peacekeepers, all the same. This is the lesson we have to learn for what's happening in Ukraine right now. Israel is watching what's happening, and we'll see Israel's own bitter experience with international indifference. And so this international in indifference will be the same if Israel were in danger. Uh, this is a sad but real fact. I'll be back after the break. Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. 
But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For a lighten up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You're back with Jay Shapiro. The first part of the program, I spoke about the fact that our leadership here in Israel has to do a very difficult balancing act not to upset the Russians, particularly because the airspace over Syria, which we use to attack uh, terrorists, is essentially controlled by Russia, and we have apparently have a number of agreements with them. I'm not talking about written agreements. I, be- I think a better word would be understandings with Russia, that enables us to uh, operate over Syrian air territory in order to protect ourselves against terrorists who are embedded in Syria. At the same time, what the Russians are doing now in uh, Ukraine is something that runs against the grain of our liberal values, and so we have to uh, be very careful how we step. Now, at the same time, uh, Ukraine is on its own against the Russians right right now. That's that's these are the facts on the ground. And if there's anything Israel can learn from what's happening, is it is that it is all Israel will find itself fighting alone, should it ever find itself in a war against Iran. I mentioned this at the end of the previous segment, but I'd like to expand on it a little bit. And again, I think the uh, listeners know I have often said I am not a, an expert, hardly an expert on uh, foreign affairs. But if you read the headlines and you watch the news, you get a feeling for what's happening and you look at it through the, through the eyes of someone who lives here in Israel. Uh, the Professor Ahrens, uh, who was the Israeli ambassador to the United States for several years, famously said, the Middle East is not the Middle West. As a consequence, we have to tread carefully. Biden said it will impose strong sanctions on Russia and provide Ukraine with humanitarian aid. Uh, And the United States will deploy additional troops to NATO countries in Europe, but U.S. soldiers will not fight against Russian troops for Ukraine. No U.S. soldier will die for Ukraine, and it's also true that no U.S. soldier will die for Israel. And by the way, we have always said this to the United States, just give us the arms to defend ourselves. We do not want U.S. troops here. We don't want Americans to be in danger. We will take care of ourselves. Just give us 
the, uh, the, the means. Israel has already known that uh, no foreign soldier will die for Israel. Now, Biden made a speech last week, and uh, he said that Russia's invasion is a dangerous moment for all, all of Europe, for freedom around the world, and Putin has committed an assault on the very principles that uphold global peace. Global peace, that's what Biden said. But Biden essentially did nothing more than that, and he lost American deterrence against Russia. And by the way, when he's losing deterrence and showing weakness, it's not just against Russia, it's against China, and also, as far as we're concerned here in Israel, it shows weakness against Iran, because those countries only respect leaders who show power and strength. America's deterrence, at least in the Middle East, was tremendously weakened when it withdrew from Afghanistan several months ago, earlier this year. Washington's response to Moscow's invasion now into Ukraine diminished the American deterrence around the globe. The invasion of Ukraine and the Western weak response may also bring Russia closer to Iran at a sensitive time in the negotiations in Vienna regarding Tehran's nuclear program. Right now, the Americans are sitting with the Iranians uh, discussing the Iranian nuclear program, and the Americans are seen as showing weakness. Now, Russia and Israel both have the shared goal at the moment of removing Iranian forces from Syria, where they have pretty much entrenched themselves. Uh, there was a civil war in Syria. I think it started about seven or eight years ago. It's still continuing. Hundreds of thousands of people have been killed and displaced. And there are, there are Iranian proxies there in, in Syria. Now, right now, Moscow is occupied in Eastern Europe. And this might uh, give the Iranians an opportunity to increase their aggressive moves in Syria. It could be an increase in smuggling weapons, the Hezbollah, which will be aimed against Israel, or even launching more unmanned aerial vehicles into Israel, which the Hezbollah has been doing. And also, because right now the West is focused on Ukraine, Iran might also see this as an opportunity to accelerate its nuclear program, despite the fact that there are ongoing negotiations in Paris. They'll just keep doing what they want while the West is preoccupied. However, this is something that is not acceptable to Israel. It is something that Israel has said over and over again. Israel is not a party to any deal signed with Tehran concerning its nuclear capability. 
and if necessary, Israel's army, its military, its air force, will act against Iran and prevent it from becoming a nuclear threshold state because Iran is the, the, the enemy of Iran. It's not just the Western world. Tehran announces over and over again that it wishes to destroy Israel. Israel cannot allow the Iranians to become a threshold nuclear power, no matter what agreement is made in uh, Paris. And Israel has to do so, whether Washington likes it or not, because it is a question of our survival. Over the decades, the security partnership between Israel and the United States has become very strong. The intelligence sharing, the joint military drills, missile defense programs, and other technological things have increased between America and Israel. As a matter of fact, there have been discussions surrounding a possible defense treaty between Israel and the United States. There is no such treaty at the moment, and nothing has ever been signed because how it might constrain Israel's freedom of action. Israel does not want to be tied down into a situation where it cannot act independently. Now, obviously, Israel appreciates the strong relationship and military benefits it has with the Americans. It's good for both sides. And it is seen as a partner who can take care of its own needs without help from the United States troops. And we want America to help us to, so that we can protect ourselves. We don't want American troops here. We don't need them. Just give us the wherewithal to defend ourselves. The By the way, uh, Washington and Israel also have an agreement that would let see the United States come to assist Israel with missile defense in times of war should we request it. We have some American anti-missile facilities here right now, and we, a lot of it was used again with the war with Gaza back in May, and the Americans have replenished it. The uh, Though, though we are close allies and actually friends, Israel and the United States have different interests. That's the bottom line. Each is going to do what is in its best interest, even if that means doing it alone. That is the bottom line in our relationship. Obviously, we are observing and watching the battle in Ukraine and what we are watching just as much is the reaction by the West to what's happening in Ukraine. Israel has understood, apparently, that in the new world order, America is no longer the military superpower that will come to anyone's aid. Israel will not ask American troops to fight its wars. Our, our IDF has fought its own battle and will do so in the future, no matter what the cost. This is an extremely delicate situation right now, and we know it's another lesson that we can only rely on ourselves. 
We see how the West and the United States is reacting to Ukraine. I'll be back after the break. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You're back with Jay Shapiro. There are a lot of headlines about what's happening around the world as a result of the crisis in Ukraine. It's a very bad situation, but there's something which is under the headlines, which I think is of tremendous interest. There's been a huge leap in requests by Jews from Ukraine to make Aliyah. The government estimates that 10,000 Ukrainian Jews will immigrate to Israel within the next couple of weeks. Out of the 200,000 Ukrainians eligible for Israeli citizenship under Israel's law of return, the Aliyah and Integration Ministry of the Israeli government said that it is prepared for the emergency immigration of Ukrainian Jews and is preparing all sectors to assist and absorb any Jew seeking to immigrate to Israel. The ministry convened an emergency discussion last week during which it established an interministerial team aimed at removing bureaucratic problems for potential olim and to issue immigration visas digitally in light of a drastic increase in applications. Also, they are reinforcing the absorption division at Ben Gurion Airport and they're doing this in cooperation with the Israeli army. The Jewish Agency and the International Fellowship of Christian and Jews uh, set together it will open six Aliyah processing stations at Ukrainian border crossings with four countries, Poland, Moldavia, Romania, and Hungary. The the, um, International Fellowship of Christian and Jews has been handling immigration from Ukraine on an ongoing basis for a number of years. Now, these new stations in these countries are meant to immediately assist the expected waves of, of immigration. They are operating in conjunction with Israel's foreign ministry, 
and there is an Israeli government liaison organization that promotes Aliyah. It is called Nativ. Israel also has a diaspora affairs ministry, and it is also involved, uh, particularly funding emergency aid. The Jewish agency is increasing its presence in the field to care for the Olim until they are able to fly to Israel, preparing to temporarily house them in hotels in the countries bordering Ukraine with support from the Jewish federations of North America, Karen Hayasod, and other international donors. This, by the way, is really fantastic because it shows something that is that we seem to forget, and that is when push comes to shove, the Jews really get together all their organizations and cooperate with each other. That is a fantastic characteristic of these Jewish organizations. During most of the year, we hear all kind of complaints about them, many of which are justified. They're bureaucratic, uh, infighting, things of that nature. But when the chips are down, they get together to help Jews. And that is, that is their one really redeeming feature. The, um, they're going to um, actualize emergency immigration operations Officials from relevant government ministries and official organizations have actually been meeting regularly for several weeks to draw up potential evacuation plans. By the way, I remember this uh, happening back when the uh, the government changed hands in uh, South Africa back in the um, in the 1990s. And how the I was I happened to be a little bit involved, and I was aware of the fantastic work that was done at that time, preparing to help Jews leave South Africa if it were necessary. Uh, unfortunately, most of the emergency um, methods set up were not required. That was I don't know what you can base that on, the history turned out differently, but Israel was being prepared. Now, they agreed to provide additional budget to actualize the emergency immigration operations. Uh, officials from all the relevant government ministries and official organizations have been meeting for a number of weeks, and they continue to meet. Israel should obviously continue to supply humanitarian aid to the refugees in general and to help those who want to make Aliyah, they have to do so by streamlining the process. Now, interesting, by the way, something else is happening at the same time. The Ukrainian government has banned men between the ages of 18 and 60 from leaving Ukraine in order to deploy them in the defense of the country. Israel needs to focus on rescuing the elderly and the young, and this should include plans to help uh, even an organization of righteous Gentiles 
and their families who risked their lives during the Holocaust to save Jews during the Nazi occupation. <clears throat> They're not an organization, I misused the word. There are many people in Ukraine who are known to the Israeli authorities to have helped Jews uh, during the Holocaust under terrible circumstances. We know who they are, and Israel should be prepared to help these people. The, uh, the, for example, also, there are hundreds of orphaned or semi-orphaned children being cared for by Chabad and other Jewish organizations in um, the Ukraine, and we know who they are. The, and it's been commented that the uh, a former head of the Jewish agency, Natan Sharansky, who is a famous prisoner of Zion, he voices concern that a mass aliyah from Ukraine at this juncture could play into the hands of the anti-Semites. They would accuse these people of dual loyalty. There is no other country outside of Ukraine, to the best of my knowledge, it is gearing up to do what the state of Israel is doing for the Jews. It is worth noting that the president of uh, Ukraine happens to be Jewish also. He's married, he has two kids. Um, he's acted as a role model by determining to stay in Ukraine rather than to flee and set up a government in exile. Now, in, in just a little bit of history, last year, just over 13,000 Jews came to Israel. They made Aliyah from Eastern Europe. When What Israel and these international Jewish organizations are doing is really wonderful in this very difficult time. The speed with which the state and these organizations mobilize is really impressive and will no doubt save many lives and keep many families together. It is actually part of the Jewish principle of Ko Yisrael Arevim Zelezeb. All Jews are guarantors for one another, and it illustrates how rescuing Jews in need is indeed a major reason for the Jewish state. If the Jewish state would have existed in 1939, the, the, the murder of Jews uh, during the Second World War would not be what it came to be. There was no Jewish state at the time. Today there is a Jewish state, and thankfully it is gearing itself up to save Jews who are in trouble. The, but there's one thing you have to realize. It's something I've experienced myself as a new ole, a new immigrant to Israel. It, rescuing Jews in danger is not enough. The country has to be prepared to not only welcome them, but to successfully absorb them once they are here. There is some very bad experience with, for example, the Jews who came from Ethiopia. The Israel actually, the Israeli Air Force 
violated the Sabbath under the guise, under the guide of the rabbinate to save Jews and the number of flights on the Sabbath from where they were endangered in Africa. The problem was saving them was one thing and absorbing them and integrating them into the country is another. And that turned out to be a big failure in the case of the Ethiopians. And we're still suffering from it. So it's not enough to save Jews, which is a wonderful thing. It's to set up a system to successfully or, or absorb them and make them a natural part of the state of Israel. Thanks again for listening. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.